0: On the Virtual Bible Study tonight, we want to talk about trusting God. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about whether, especially during the time of this pandemic crisis, uh, I've heard Christians questioning whether we're really trusting God in, re- in regards to our response to this. And so I thought it might be worth talking about just the general concept of trusting God and and uh, whether... We are showing a lack of faith sometimes in regards to trusting God.
1: All right. Let's see what we, do. we can find out about that. We're going to get started right now.
2: one Four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study.
1: And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study tonight. Uh, this is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, May twenty eighth, two 2020. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad.
0: Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Great
1: to be with you tonight. Uh, Kyle's behind the controls as usual. Kyle, welcome. It's good to be here. Glad to be with you tonight. Glad that you're on the other end of the line tonight as we open up our virtual round table Bible study. We're, we're, we're gathered around the virtual kitchen table tonight uh, talking about God's Word. And yeah, we've, you it. know,
0: we've been doing that for a long time. That, we, this is not, the, this virtual Bible study is not. A response to the the coronavirus pandemic, no,
1: we were like we were like we were way ahead of we that. were virtual
0: before virtual was cool that's right, yeah, uh, but because we're, we're actually coming upon our fifteen year birthday here uh, uh, in July, pretty soon we'll have completed fifteen full years of the virtual Bible study, pretty amazing, all right, time flies when you're having fun yeah, I'm glad that you're with us
1: tonight, and uh, we have more fun when we hear from you. you can well, most people will comment in the chat room tonight, so do that if you're watching live. Any time that you're watching, we'd love to hear from you in email, questions at collegeview.com. And then our toll-free number is 877-381-4567 if you'd like to dial in on the phone tonight. We're looking forward to hearing from you on this
0: important topic. Yeah. Uh, remember that we send out an update on Thursdays midday telling you about our topic for discussion at night, asking you some questions, seeking your feedback, if you're not getting our updates, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, add me to the list. Those who are on our list got these questions earlier today. Number one, does trusting God mean that we do not need to do anything? No, we just trust him. There's nothing to do. And And then I ask as a follow-up to that, illustrate your yes or no answer by discussing God's part And man's part in salvation. Okay. So we're going to just try to get the the groundwork set there. Number two, in regards to providing for the physical necessities of life, is it appropriate to pray about this? Does it indicate a lack of faith if we plan and work to provide for ourselves? Okay. Good
1: point. Good question.
0: Number three, in caring for our physical health, is it right to pray about such things? Mm Mm-hmm. Is it wrong, and does it show a lack of faith to see a doctor, for instance? Yeah, some people say. Number four, in regards to civil government, does God have a part in civil government? If so, should we just pray, leave everything up to him, or should we do what we can to make things better?
1: Okay, good questions tonight for our consideration, and we'll look forward to you guys chiming in the chat room tonight. If you haven't signed in, sign in with other and comment with other listeners uh, tonight. Um, So we see Lou in Minnesota. Sarah uh, is uh, in Columbia, Tennessee, the Horwath family. Brian's out in California. Uh, Glad that Brian's tuned in as well. Look forward to hearing from you. Lou's uh, in the up there in the chat room tonight. Uh, his wife is very, very pregnant, having a few contractions. Oh boy! Today, and uh, uh, Lou per- says, "Well, we can't have the baby tonight because we'd miss the virtual Bible study." All right. I don't well, think the baby is on the same the schedule. I don't that, think the baby cares about that. But so.
0: we'll be thinking of you, Lou, and your wife and your family, and uh, pray that everything will go well. All right. Uh, all right. So, trusting God tonight. All right. So, what about? Some people think that trusting God just means that. You just trust him, and then you just s- sit back and let it happen, that there's nothing for you to do. God does it all mm-hmm. is the idea. And we're going to, I think, probably you could guess by the tone of our questions, we're going to take a different view from that. We, we do not think that you just trust God and therefore don't you don't do anything. L- look at a verse. Here's an interesting verse, Psalm 37, verse 3. Psalm 37, verse 3 says, Trust in the Lord. And do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Notice that. Trust in the Lord, but also do good. Uh, that's how you're going to, he, he was talking to the children of Israel, that's how you're going to dwell in the land, that's how you're going to prosper, that's how you're going to have the food that you need. Trust God, do good. So I think that verse really puts it right there out very plainly that there is something for us to do. That that certainly we trust God, but that doesn't mean that we just we expect Him to do everything. We don't have to do anything. Uh, God's promises are so
1: much contingent on uh, with stipulations on our response to Him. And the Israelites here was a good example of that. You know, God had promised them that they would dwell in the land and everything would be great if they would just give their hearts to Him and do good. Yeah. And so trust in Him. Trust in His promises. And trust that there's contingencies on that. He's placed some stipulations on those promises.
0: Here's a neat New Testament verse, Jacob. 1 Timothy 4, verse 10. 1 Timothy 4, verse 10. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially those that believe. Notice, we labor and suffer reproach because we trust in uh, the living God. So, uh Paul had, Paul seemed to have that pretty well balanced out. He understood. He certainly trusted God. It's clear from the life that he lived that he trusted God. But he, he definitely was hard at work also uh, in regards to that.
1: All right. Absolutely. Again, and, and if, 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 if we do trust God, that will change the way that we live and our, our response. Uh, by not uh, responding, not uh, acting, would show that we don't have trust. They're so f- closely connected.
0: And then one more verse along this line, Galatians 5, verse 6. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. So there's there's your faith, but it works. It's a working faith, faith that worketh by love. So, uh, again, I think the general tone of the Bible goes in the vein of, clearly, that we do put great confidence in God. We trust him. But on the other hand, we know that we ought to do what we can also. That, that, uh, you know, uh, uh, probably the, the good picture of this is a father helping his son. Maybe, I don't know, think of something like learning to ride a bicycle. And so the father's running alongside, holding on to the bicycle, trying to keep it balanced. <clears throat> and, he, and as he can, he lets loose a little bit. And the the, the kid has to learn to balance that thing on his own. The, the father's there to help. The father is is is, and the son trusts his father not to let him fall. Oh, yeah. know this may not be a perfect parallel, but maybe you get the the idea. You know, trust God. Do what you can.
1: All right. All right. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeu.com. dot com. I think we'll see throughout Scripture that those who trusted God acted and responded to God in with respect to the trust that they had in him and the promises that he had made.
0: All right, so the first question, and just to sort of get this foundation uh, established, is does trusting God mean that we don't need to do anything, yes or no, and illustrate your yes or no answer by explaining God's part and man's part in salvation? Let's see what our emailers said about that, Jake. All
1: right, so let's go out to Ames, Iowa tonight and catch Dwight. Dwight. I thought I saw Dwight in the chat room. He may have dropped off. Uh, Dwight said, God has promised to do his part in saving us. If we do our part in being obedient to him, according to second Peter three, verse nine, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to his repentance, uh, to repentance. Now that verse in and of itself does really strike down this idea of faith only that all you got to do is fa- have faith, or maybe you could equate that with trust. All you to do is trust God and you'll be saved. Well, no, God uh wants us to repent. And there's there's a response there. You know, we talk about this idea of trust having response. Repentance is a response to God and yeah. to his instructions yeah. and to his promises. He says God has done his part by sending his son as the perfect sacrifice for man's sins. Hebrews chapter nine, verses twenty seven and twenty eight says, And it has happened for men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many to those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear the second time apart from sin. For salvation. And so, again, that idea of trust there means that we're going to respond and obey.
0: Okay, good. Thank you for that, Dwight. Good. All right. Uh, Kent says to the question, does trusting God mean that we do not need to do anything? He says flatly, no. There are two sides to salvation. God has accomplished his side of salvation in the gift of his son, Hebrews 2, Verse 9. It is our responsibility to, to obey God's conditions in order to receive salvation. John six, twenty eight and twenty nine, Acts two, thirty seven through forty one. Several other passages here he mentions Philippians two twelve, Colossians three, seventeen, Revelation two, ten. We do not engage in works of our own righteousness to earn salvation, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. We must, however, involve ourselves in works of faith to obey God's conditions that lead to salvation, Hebrews 5, verses 8 and 9. Now I think Kent, uh, it makes a very important point that I, I believe we are misrepresented concerning this point. We're not saying... That what we do earns our salvation. Some, some try, some try to say if you claim there's anything you have to do, then you're just trying to earn your salvation. And we deny that flatly. Uh, the, the text that Kent mentioned there, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says there's, it's not of works that man might boast. And so the, the explanation of Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 where it says it's not of works, uh, it's not of works of merit. It's not works whereby we earn salvation. But there's certainly work for us to do, and so uh, we do what what God expects.
1: All right. Excellent. And then he references there, uh, Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, which is very powerful here as we talk about this idea that it's more than just faith or just trust in God. It is a response. that is all faithful people throughout time have had a response to God with respect to his promises. Look at verse 5. Uh, uh, 8 and 9 of Hebrews 5. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Who does Jesus save? All them who obey him. Not just all those who may claim that they have trust in him or have faith in him. All who obey him. Um, and so trusting in God's promises means that we respond in the way that we live.
0: You know, uh probably one of the best known verses in all the New Testament is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do do you trust God about that? Do you trust God that you can be saved? Well, sure, we trust God. And, and He certainly manifested every reason for us to trust him in sending his own son. But notice, even in that familiar verse, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we trust in God. We have to have faith. And then we link that with so many other places in the New Testament that show that faith is an obedient faith. Saving faith is an obedient faith. If it doesn't
1: change our lives, if we don't do anything because of our faith, then it's a dead faith in James chapter 1 and 2 would tell us that that won't do us any good. Uh, Daniel down in Florida tonight says, uh, No, the gospel uh, of Christ is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. Romans 1, verse 16. Jesus is the author of of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Hebrews 5, verse 9. Philippians 2, verse 12 says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We cannot trust God if we do not do what he says. Luke 6, verse 49. Some good passages there referenced uh, by Daniel. Appreciate those comments, but yes, God says, if you don't, or Jesus say, if you don't obey me, then you don't uh, don't uh, expect anything. Uh, If uh, don't expect me to be pleased if you're not going to obey me. He says, Luke six forty nine. But he that heareth and doeth it not is like a man with uh, that without a foundation built a house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently. And immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So the guy that hears and doesn't believe may claim to trust, may claim to have faith, but he's like the guy who built his house without a foundation, and there's going to be a great travesty at the
0: end of that ordeal. Yeah, Uh, you just can't engage this discussion about God's part, our part, without James 2.24. You see then how that by works a man is justified, not by faith only. It's not just trusting God. It's not just having faith in God. It's by works of obedience yep. that are necessary. Jacob, I got an email here. It just came in. Haven't heard from this guy in years. Rick Bachmiller. You remember I Rick? remember Rick. Yeah, Rick says. Is he still in Michigan? I'm not sure where. I don't think so. Last time Rick, I saw him, he was in Michigan. Rick, you'll have to let us know where you're at. Yeah. Uh, he says, uh, behavior as a manifestation of our faith is always a component of salvation. I think okay. he's exactly right. right. Absolutely. Thank you, Rick, for
1: that email tonight. All right. We are late for a break. Let's get a break, and when we get back, we'll continue the discussion. Where are we going
0: next? Okay. So I think we've got that pretty well lined out. In other words, trusting God doesn't mean you don't do anything. So now let's apply that to providing for our physical necessities. Do we just trust God, or do we have to make some plans and work at it?
1: All right. Uh, we're going to get that on the other side. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this.
2: Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this.
3: Hello, everyone. I'm Wade Shelton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. If you're like me, you've probably heard a lot of rumors about what the Church of Christ is all about. Regardless of what the rumors you may have heard, let me just quickly tell you what we are about. The College View Church of Christ is simply a group of Christians that is committed to doing everything that God has commanded us in exactly the way that he commanded us to do it. So we just simply open our Bibles and study them to determine what God has commanded us to do, and then we try to do it. It's just really that simple. Are you interested in being part of a group of people who have this approach to serving God? If so, I hope you will join me and my family as we worship God
0: with the College View Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Adversity causes some men to break, others to break records. Learn by experience, preferably other people's. God doesn't have to put his name on a label in the corner of a meadow or in a forest because no one else makes meadows and forests. Man, wish I'd said that.
2: We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program.
0: And we are back on the program tonight
1: uh, as we look at trusting God and what that means. Does it have any implications beyond just maybe a verbal expression of our trust in God? How does that affect the way that we act? Uh, And now on to number two tonight. Okay,
0: now again, sort of the reason why we're asking this question is that, and we're going to get to this in our discussion tonight, if we take precautions, if we do things to protect our health, are we therefore demonstrating a lack of faith in God and we're not trusting God? But we're kind of building up to that. So yeah. I, I think we're covering some areas where we've probably got wide general agreement. I think we have agreement about this in regards this second question, in regards to providing for the physical necessities of life, first of all, is it appropriate to pray about this? In other words, we're putting it to God. Well, I don't know how you could argue that it's not appropriate or inappropriate to pray about it because you remember when Jesus taught the model prayer in uh, Matthew chapter 6, he says, after this manner, therefore pray ye. And part of what was in that prayer, in other words, pray like this, he said, and part of what he prayed about was, give us this day our daily bread, Matthew 6, verse 11. So uh, Jesus uh, certainly s- taught that it was appropriate to pray about th- those kinds of things. Uh, and uh, But having said that, we know that there's also an expectation that we're going to get busy and do what we can yep. to provide for our needs. Yep. And the verse I think probably everybody has raced here ahead of me but the verse that is like the definitive verse on that question is 1 Timothy 5 verse 8 if any man provide not for his own especially those for his, of his own house he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel actually that might only be second to to uh in priority to 2 Thessalonians That's 3 right. verse 10 yeah uh, for even when we were with you, this we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, and that goes on to this idea of withdrawing yourself from. I mean, in the context, we think it might be a guy cheats on his wife or he robs a bank. No, this is people who aren't working. They're being slothful. Yeah. Uh, that's a serious thing. And we're told not to associate with people like that. Yeah. All right.
0: All right. So, uh, again... Is it appropriate to pray about it? Yeah, Jesus said to. Jesus, when he taught how to pray, taught about praying for daily necessities. But it also, it, it, it does not indicate a lack of faith if we plan and provide for ourselves. You know, that actually goes, you know, I, I, I think we can go overboard on that, you know. I gotta have a million dollars in the bank, uh, as a, nest egg or going into retirement i gotta i gotta really have it piled up high you know i gotta take care of myself No, there's nobody gonna take care of me but me i gotta take care of me i think you can go i think you can go too far that way yep but on the other hand making reasonable preparations even for something like retirement is not an out of the uh Is not out of the realm. It's it's not wrong. Yeah. Let's see what uh, Dwight says in Iowa. He says, We are told in
1: Matthew 6 from Jesus how to pray. Reference that passage you did earlier. He says, He states that when we pray, uh, uh, Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11 ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, who seeks find it to him. Who knocks will be opened. Or what man is there among you? If his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God knows what we need, but he wants us to come to him. This should show our faith in him to help provide for us. All right. Good good points there. Thank you, Dwight.
0: Okay. Uh, Kent in Georgia says, yes, uh, it's appropriate to pray. And he mentions, he put down Matthew five eleven. I think he meant six eleven. It's appropriate to pray for physical necessities, but he says such does not indicate a lack of trust by engaging in acceptable work. And he references Ephesians chapter four, verse twenty eight. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 28 let him that stole steal no more but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth so yeah pray about it and then work they go together here's what
1: Daniel said that he's on the same wavelength as the rest uh, of the audience tonight Jesus taught to pray for their daily bread, Matthew six eleven, and 2 Thessalonians three ten through twelve. We are to work and not to be busybodies. So, yeah. So pray for your daily bread
0: to trust in God, but get to work. Okay. All right. So I think I think again we're all on the same page there, and I hope that that sort of uh, answers the question. The, the The basic question is: Does trusting God mean we don't have to do anything? And, and the answer to that has to be an emphatic no. You know. Uh, now that I think leads us to the the big question that is is sort of relevant to our times. What about our our physical health? And we ask the question: Is is it right to pray about your physical health? And is it wrong? Does it show a lack of faith if you do things like see a doctor concerning your physical health? So the reason I I was thinking along this line, Jacob, is because I've actually heard some Christians expressing, you know, well, if we take precautions, uh, you know, about the coronavirus, even even congregationally, you know, know, what we've done here at College View, we've moved out into the parking lot and we've been having our services. I think this week will be week 11. Week last, hopefully. uh, Hopefully the last week. But, you know, some have said, you know, to do something like that is a lack of faith in God. We don't just come into the church building we ought to just do what we always do do it come the way what may. do it the way we always have done it and because we need to trust god and so the implication of that and i, I mean these are good hearted people i'm not criticizing these people for uh, uh, for their conviction their conviction says just trust god don't worry about it but i don't think we would take it that far you know in regards to other things you know uh, th- this water here. Here's a glass of water, but I got it out of a of a polluted stream. Drink it. Now we say, oh, I'm not going to drink that. Well, why? You know, well, because I'm taking normal precautions to protect my health. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, we do it all the time, not just in regards to going to the doctor, although that would be one manifestation of it. But we do all kinds of things with the intention of protecting our physical health. Now, do we trust God that he's going to bless us in these ways? Yeah. And we pray about it. We'll see that in a minute. But it's, it's very common for us to take certain precautions to protect ourselves from uh, illnesses or injury or other things. So my position on it is that And and there's a wide range of judgments about this, by the way, that I think we've got to be careful about judging people's hearts in regards to the judgments they may make. For instance, this wearing a mask thing has become a big political football. Kyle probably uh, uh, knows more about that than we do because he's a medical man. He's in the medical field. He probably you probably have to wear a mask a lot, Kyle. But you got a designer mask, Kyle? No, you're just plain Jane. I use
3: filters, so I don't. Uh, yeah. uh,
0: okay, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, some people are saying if you wear a mask, it just indicates you don't trust God. You know, uh, when churches go back to meeting in person, I ma- imagine there'll be some people who feel like they should wear a mask. Well, if they feel that way, that's fine. But you know, uh uh I don't. I'm not going to wear a mask. You're not wearing a mask. You're I not, not preaching in a, a mask. F- I don't see how I could preach in a mask. Uh, well, you could. Uh, but yeah, you know, the, the point of it is, you know, we, we, let's leave people some room for judgment because it's not a it's not a necessary sign of lack of faith if we take reasonable precautions. Now, we might go again. We might go overboard on that. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna crawl under my bed and stay there until this time next year. You know, well, maybe that is lack of faith. Uh, but in regards to taking reasonable precautions, then I, I don't, I don't think that that's a lack of faith.
1: Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. If you'd like to get in on the conversation or the chat room, is pretty
0: quiet tonight. Um, well, let's grab, let's grab our our bullet point break, Jacob. Before yeah, we come back, let's I, dive into some scripture. Yeah, I
1: want to get into that idea because um, in order to have trust, you'd have to have something from God that would give you that trust, and so. Let's talk about that on the other side. Does, do we have any kind of scriptures that tell us that, hey, play with fire, you won't get burned. You know, go, go drinking out of, uh, you know, go licking the handrail at Walmart, and you're not going to get sick. Did, that, did God promise that? All right, we'll be back right
4: after this.
2: You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right
4: after these important messages. Hello, everyone. I'm Monty, a member of the College View Church of Christ. So you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the Virtual Bible Study and are interested in finding out more about the church. But you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more. There's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the Virtual Bible Study. You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects, and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number any time. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the Virtual Bible Study and hope to hear from you soon.
0: This is Greg went with this week's bullet point. There's been a good bit of discussion about Jesus' statement in Matthew 18, verse 20, where he said, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. It has been accurately explained that the context of this famous phrase limits its application. Specifically, Jesus was not discussing worship assemblies. Unfortunately, the passage has been misused to justify brethren absenting themselves from the assembly of the church and conducting their own devotionals, including the Lord's Supper. They express confidence that Jesus is with them because a plurality of Christians are in attendance. God's word identifies the Lord's Supper is to be observed, quote, when ye come together in the church and, quote, when ye come together into one place. 1 Corinthians 11, 18, 20 and 34. The objectors argue that when two or three are gathered together, it constitutes a church. Thus, they attempt to make their case for the observance of the Lord's Supper in these meetings. There are some real problems with this explanation. First, if it is true that these gatherings of two or three are really a church, then we have churches popping up and quickly disbanding all over the place. Are we to believe, for instance, that a church existed in a hotel room for a few minutes on Sunday morning just before the participants headed off to the amusement park? This church observed the Lord's Supper and then disbanded never to meet again. Is this really what folks want to defend? Second, those making this argument need to look at Matthew 18 a little more closely. The context describes how to deal with an erring brother. First, you go to him privately. Then you take one or two more. Now, notice that would be two or three together, right? Do the math. Finally, you tell it to the church. But wait a minute. Do you see it? The group of two or three together is clearly distinguished from the church. In other words, Jesus' own words show that a simple plurality of Christians does not automatically result in the formation of a church. So the very context of Matthew eighteen twenty proves that these limited private gatherings do not provide the authorized setting in which the Lord's Supper is to be observed. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it.
2: These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this.
1: Wait a minute now. That's the wrong one. That's the wrong one. It said right after
0: this. We're back.
1: Oh, yeah. You loaded those up for me, didn't that, you? Man, well, was our, that
0: an intro instead that, of a... That was an
1: outro instead of an intro. Yeah. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. A little oh, confused. Do I oh, talk, do I oh, not? you yeah. got a rookie there hey, in the boards. Yeah, we want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College U Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can find out more about us at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, collegeu.com. And you're just about ready to be able to go there and find out more about our meeting times uh, at collegeu.com because we're getting close to being back to normal um, with maybe a slight exception to that on sunday morning but um
0: yeah we're gonna uh uh, well we we, we'll announce next week lord willing what our ongoing plan is but uh, our our hope our intention is to be back in our building uh, on the first Sunday in June, and if you want to go to come to the drive-in service, you got one more chance at that. Yeah, yeah. If you've never experienced, if you're in Middle Tennessee and you haven't experienced a drive-in worship service, you better grab your chance to witness that this Sunday because yeah. it, uh, you would
1: have thought a few months ago, probably about three months ago, you would have said, "Drive-in church sounds like a hoax." Yeah. What are these? What, are they, what kind of shenanigans <laughs> it, are they people, trying over there? I, I,
0: we had put a sign out front that said, "No gimmicks, just the gospel. Come and see." The week and the week before. And then the w- the very next week we put a sign out that said, drive-in worship service, yeah. stay in your car. <laughs> yeah. And we thought, well, people are going to think that's a gimmick. But actually that became a pretty standard uh, action all across the country. There were all kinds of yeah. various churches and denominations having parking lot services. And we we're really glad that we did it. We think it's a great thing. But I'm telling you what. We're weary of it, and we're ready to get back to normal, and hopefully we can do that. And again, Lord willing, we'll give give you some more update on what we're doing here at College View uh, in our in our program next Thursday night.
1: And Kyle, uh, that that YouTube live stream is getting ready to get hot again. You're gonna have to your your break is over. We're gonna to get you back to three streaming services a week. So I hope you're yeah, ready.
3: Yeah, which I'm which I'm ready to get back in the building. So I think that's a. That's all right. We can do that. You're
1: ready. You, you, you still know how to do it. You got that Sunday night ser, uh, sermon looking really good. Uh, so uh, be checking that out if you haven't checked it out. Find out more at our website, com or the Uh So, to
0: our question, you know, this, this having meetings in the parking lot, uh, there, there are people who would say you were showing a lack of faith in God right. that you moved out in the parking lot to protect your health. You did it to protect your health and the health of others. Well, just trust God in that matter. You're trying to take it into your own hands Indicates you don't have any faith in God. Uh, if you wear a mask when you're out in public, I, you know, this mask thing is kind of really caught on. People wearing masks everywhere. You go out, you see people with masks. I saw a woman walking down the road today. She was not within hundreds of yards of other people. And she was wearing a mask. I'm sort of picking up that you're down on the mask. I'm not a big fan of the mask, but uh, the, the idea is. Uh, but, but I'm saying I'm, I'm anxious to grant people that if that's their choice, and I do not think that it necessarily means that they're not trusting God if they're wearing a mask. Uh, I don't think they're trust they're, they're failing to trust God if they maintain social distancing, if they take a vitamin, if they uh, you know do other things. Or if if you go to your, see your doctor, even if you go to your doctor for what do we call it, Kyle, preventative medicine? You know, we go we, we go take a an annual physical or something. Are you are you not trusting God if you take these kinds of measures? And and I think that's a mistake to try try to suggest that. Uh, we know that there's scriptural precedent for praying. First of all. We should put it to God. We should put it to God in prayer, our health. Uh, the great example of that is the Apostle Paul. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. That's what Brian in California said. He said, Paul prayed more than once for
1: relief from his thorn in the flesh. I believe we can pray that illnesses and diseases or distresses be removed, but if no such des- desired results follow, we should not look upon it as a judgment. The Lord never forsakes the faithful.
0: Good so, point, Brian. That text in 2 Corinthians 7, uh, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 12, beginning verse 7, Paul said, lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. So what was it? You know, man, people have argued about that for centuries, and there's no definitive answer. There's some hints, but there's no use even speculating. We don't know. We can't say with certainty. Probably more was,
1: than an ingrown toenail. But
0: though. it was in the flesh. It was his physical body. There yeah. was some ailment with his. He said it was the messenger of Satan above me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice. That it might depart from me now I don't think that that means uh, I don't take it to mean that Paul prayed three short prayers on one given day about that. I think that probably means that I, at, at three protracted periods of time, Paul engaged in intense prayer about this physical problem that he had. And the answer was, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, Paul says, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So Paul prayed about his physical health. So it's not wrong. It's right to pray about such things. Uh, Is it wrong then? So you've put it before God in prayer. Is it wrong then to do anything else? So I prayed to God about the, uh, my physical health, but I also made a doctor's appointment. Am I am I showing lack of faith when I did that? And I think the answer to that is no. Uh, Jesus said in Luke five, verse thirty one, people who are sick need a physician. Luke, who uh, wrote the Gospel of Luke in the book of Acts, uh, was a physician himself, you know, it is. There's no indication that he uh, sort of denied his his professional training as a physician when he became a Christian. I'm a Christian now. Christians don't need doctors. I'm out of the. I'm business. out of business. I'm Take out down the, the shingle. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I think that it is appropriate um, to seek a doctor's help. Take medicine. Take preventative medicines. There's no indication, uh, I think, in the scriptures that 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 means we are somehow denying God or denying our trust in God. Now, again, I think you could probably go to a far, far extreme, and maybe some people do, uh, with excessive worry and anxiety and concern for their physical health. We should not do that because actually we we need to uh, realize that we're all you know is appointed men once to die and after this judgment Hebrews 9 verse 27 and in a sense uh we could we could sort of look at it like the apostle Paul did uh, he said in uh uh Philippians chapter 1 verse 23 if I live in the flesh this is the fruit of my labor uh yet what I shall choose i do not know for i am in a strait betwixt two having a desire to depart and be with christ which is better nevertheless to abide in the flesh is more needful for you paul said actually it 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 would be it would be gain he said verse 21 for me to live is christ to die is gain Mm -hmm. so you know if we have if we trust god and we have that kind of faith and I, I don't think we are overtly afraid of getting sick and dying. We, I mean, I we we'll take precautions. You know? I, I don't necessarily want to get this virus. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna, like you say, lick the handrail at Walmart. But on the other hand, if I get it and die, it's 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 not the worst thing that could ever happen. It's it's a it's, you know because we we die in hope and trust. Yeah. Well, you know.
1: Um <clears throat> He, this idea of taking medicine, 1 Timothy 5, verse 23, Paul, Timothy was told to take some medicine for his stomach's sake and often infirmities. Paul didn't say, hey, you know, you've prayed to God for health and just hang on tight and wait for him to do something about it.
0: No, yeah, he said take he some said, measures. Take some medicine. Yeah.
1: So he, he, Tim, he wasn't chiding Timothy for that. Uh, so certainly I think that answers the question as well as we think about uh, our health and seeing doctors. You know, Kyle, if that's the case, it might be pretty rough for guys like you in the medical industry.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's Paul himself had a thorn in the flesh. I'm sure it was something that uh, he had prayed to God about to heal, but it just it never occurred. But I think it was purposeful. That's why it didn't occur. But it was... But Paul was a healer. He could have healed uh, many people who were sick. But the miracles were not for the purpose of "you're sick, I'll heal you. Now you're good." So it's just for the, you know, for the purpose of the gospel and so show that the you know, works and
0: yeah, even and, when there yeah. were miracles, it wasn't just yeah. for the benefit but, of sick people. It were always a sign.
3: Yeah, but yeah, um, go to the doctor if you're sick. I think it's kind of it could be tempting the gut could be tempting god like in you know, god you better heal me i'm gonna be uh you know i've i've got i've got the flu i'm 90 years old i guess maybe it but uh, i'm putting my trust in god but i think we need to medical help is not a lack of faith
1: all right here's what dwight says about it out in iowa and uh, james shows us here in chapter five that one who prays to god for another can help them Verse fourteen: Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of, the faith, of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses one to another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effect of prayer of a righteous man avails much. Although Paul was not a doctor, he knew to, he knew somehow to tell Timothy to take wine for his stomach's sake. First Timothy five twenty three. Luke was a physician to help those heal help heal those in need.
0: Yeah, actually. I I think those last two points, I agree wholeheartedly with Dwight about it. But I actually take a different slant. You know this, Jacob. I take a different slant on James 5 about the kind of sickness that's under consideration there. Uh, James 5.14, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Prayer, shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up and if he committed sins they shall be forgiven. I think that sickness in James 5 is a spiritual sickness, not a physical sickness. But I want to make a note on that and when we get maybe when we have a smorgasbord program we'll dive into that text a little more. Yep. I don't think my view of James 5 is that it's not talking about physical Weakness yeah. or sickness, yeah. but spiritual.
1: Dwight, you might look at that and, and send some comments if you yeah. have a disagree. Starting verse 13 and read the con. Uh, look at the context all the way to the end of the chapter, and those are spiritual considerations there in the context, not physical. Um, and some, yeah, so we can talk about that. It does not give
0: away That's, your it's all not, that. It's not. It's not urgent. Yeah, but I not,
1: yeah just, I mean, and there's different opinions on that, but uh, see what you think about that if you look at the context with it that way being a spiritual sickness. Kent says, uh, references 3 John, verses 1 and 2. Such does not include indicate a lack of faith to seek the assistance of physicians, as <laughs> Paul did by taking Dr. Luke with him on his evangelistic travels as recorded in the Books of Act, Book of Acts. Ooh, Kent indicates maybe Paul is taking a personal doctor a, with a, him. A personal physician? Really? Well, wow, maybe. that would be nice. It would be convenient, and perhaps it was. Um and uh he references 3rd John where John was praying that their physical health uh his yeah. desire was their physical health would prosper as Yeah he, he
0: says uh 3rd John verse 1 the elder to the well beloved Gaius whom I love in the in the truth beloved I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth and so uh John knew that Gaius was doing well spiritually and wished that he was doing as well physically Showing concern for physical well-being.
1: Uh, and that's what Daniel referenced as well. Uh, Gaius' health is prayed for by John. Uh, would be a curse of death, by the way, for us, us many of us sometimes. Uh, if our physical health was in as good a shape as our spiritual health, it would be uh, yeah, well, on life you know, support, that's a pretty probably. Good,
0: that, that's a pretty good thing. Yeah.
1: You know, uh, yeah. You're doing all right? Put your money where your mouth is. We're going to make your physical health yeah, just like your yeah, spiritual
0: health. <laughs> Uh,
1: Cl- uh, Daniel referenced also Colossians 4 verse 14 Luke was not rebuked for being a physician
0: so yeah I mean, he, uh, J- uh, Paul calls him Luke the beloved physician, yeah. the beloved physician yeah. Luke the beloved bank robber no it wouldn't, that <laughs> that doesn't work it was something that could be condemned okay. you wouldn't say that alright All right, let's grab our last break and, and so I think we've got I think we've pinned that down I, I, I just want to summarize a little bit though Jacob right now in this virus Craziness—I'm going to call it that. I think we got to be careful about judging people who make a judgment that may need to be different. I said earlier, I don't—I cannot see myself wearing a mask. you not doing the mask, but I got to be careful about saying, "Well, that guy—he's—he wears a mask everywhere he goes. He must not trust God." I don't think that's the case because we—we we pray, we trust God, and we take precautions. We all do. Your precautions may be different than mine. But I don't think it indicates that you or I have a lack of faith because we're making just what's reasonable by way of precautions for health.
1: So you don't think it looks like you don't have faith if you wear a mask. You just think it looks silly.
0: <laughs> I don't even think it looks silly necessarily. But it just, just doesn't go with your look. I, well, it probably would. The more of my face you could get covered up, probably the better. But Are you, Yeah. Okay. All right. Not, But, hey,
1: I'm going to be a little self-conscious when I wear my mask around you, I guess. That's all right. I, 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 won't, I promise I, I won't say
0: anything about it.
1: All right. We're going to get a break and go to the top of the hour. When we get back, talking about government. All right. Don't go anywhere all right
0: okay, so the same principles about government. Let's let's make one last point. We'll We'll race to the end.
1: All right. Get your comments in the chat room. We're back right after this.
2: Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this
1: announcement. This is Stephen Nicholson, a member of the College View Church of Christ, and I want to invite you to be a regular participant on the Virtual Bible Study. Your input by way of emails and phone calls are always welcome during the live program. We're also open to your suggestions about possible topics for discussion on upcoming editions of the program. We'd love to hear from you anytime.
0: We're tracking the trends on the Virtual Bible Study. Churches in the U.S. are making plans to reopen after weeks of online worship services only. Many states are working to slowly reopen after being shut down because of the coronavirus pandemic. This includes authorizing churches to meet with certain restrictions in place. A recent survey of church leaders found that nearly half of them thought they would not return into their buildings until June or later. That information is via ChristianHeadlines.com. The Word of God says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26, When you come together, let all things be done unto edifying.
2: Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. And we're
1: back on the program. Go to the top of the hour as we talk about trusting God and the implications that that has on our life. And are we not trusting God when we go to work, when God said he'll provide for our needs? Are we not trusting God uh, when we go to the doctor, when we say we should pray for our health? Are we not trusting God uh, when we say... You know, I need to obey him if I'm going to be pleasing to him and be saved. Is this lacking, showing a lack of trust in God? And now
0: on to the last question. Well, uh, let me question. catch a couple of emails Oh, yeah, here, hit Jay. those. Angela uh, in Florida. Say,
1: Angela's in Georgia. She's actually in Georgia, okay. Yeah, it's pretty close there. Uh, close to Florida in Georgia. Yeah, she's close enough to call it Florida. Uh,
0: she references the persistent widow in Luke 18 who kept praying and insisting for help from the unjust judge. And, and the principle there, the, the the point Jesus was making in telling the story of the persistent widow is we ought to keep urgently praying to God about yep. our necessities. Yep. So, okay, thank you, Angela. Uh, and then Jared says, doesn't trusting God mean that sometimes we do things that seem counterintuitive because God says to? For example, in the area of physical needs, we're commanded to be generous and give, even sacrificially, and we are to trust God that He will provide for needs. Uh, so, trusting God does, I, I think that's an interesting point that Jared makes. Trusting God sometimes means doing things that other people wouldn't do who don't trust in God. Like, yeah, so. Give away your money. All right. I'm, I'm supposed to give it as I've been prospered on the first day of the week, but. I might need that. Yeah. You know, the, the unemployment is off the chart. Yeah, we're going into deep, deep economic depression times. People are warning. Um, maybe I better keep my money. Yeah. So uh, what what Jerry's saying it may seem counterintuitive, but give your money, help those in need, contribute to uh, as you've been prospered and so forth. So I think that's interesting. Trusting God sometimes would seem cause us to do things that people of the world who don't understand that. Would think we're kind of crazy good about. Good point. Good point. We're interesting. Yeah. Thanks, Jared. Uh, and then here's a question from Thomas: Could wearing a mask be considered as wearing a head covering? I don't think so. <laughs> I, never, I, I mean, that, that 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 question catches me off guard. Uh, I, I, it, it clearly, the head covering uh, of First of Corinthians 11 was not a fate. Was not. A surgical mass it, was it wasn't a surgical mass. A
1: place where the hair is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All uh, right. So I
0: think no. I think I would say no to that. That's that's a different question. I did not anticipate.
1: Oh, I guess you know. Okay. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Thomas, for that question.
0: Um. All right. Any others there? That's, I got. That's caught us uh, up, up on caught emails. Caught up. All right. All right. So the the last question that we sent out earlier today in regards to civil government does God have a part in the, the affairs of civil government? And the answer to that's an emphatic yes. Uh. Daniel chapter four verse thirty two, uh, the Most High rules in the affairs of men. Or uh, I, I probably should read that exactly. Uh, Ruleth in the kingdoms of men, right? And,
1: or affairs of men. One of them gives gives the king uh, gives them to who, whom he desires.
0: It, uh, Daniel four thirty two is the verse I'm, I'm looking for. Yep. Daniel four thirty two, when Daniel is speaking to Nebuchadnezzar, he says. Get there in a minute. Until
1: thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomever he will, whomsoever he will.
0: There you go. So, yes, God does have control over, and he he has a, he he is, God is in control of it all, and and he does rule in the affairs of nations. We have a part in that, in praying for those who are in positions of authority. We're actually told to do so, and I think uh, as Christians, we ought to take this to heart and, and be diligent in praying for our civil leaders. First Timothy 2, verse 1, I exhort, therefore, first of all, that supplication, prayers, intercessions, and givings of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. Uh, so we, we should be praying for our rulers. Okay. So this is actually an election year. I, I, I don't know if people people sort of lost focus on the upcoming presidential election because of all this virus business. So I really pray that God would would have it so that our elected leaders turn us as a nation in a more righteous path. You know, I, I really wish that it would be so. And. And that's a worthy thing to be praying for. I think as Christians we ought to be praying that God would make it so that our country and all the countries of the world, but the one here particularly where we live, would turn in a more righteous path. Pray for that. Pray. But then after praying for it, just leave it up to him. I'm not going to do anything at all. I don't think that's the right response, I think that uh just like everything else we've been saying, pray to God, trust him, but also do what you can and and there's several th- that is not limited to just praying i mean uh to voting I ought to pray I think I ought to go vote i think uh, that not everybody in the world has that privilege, but we have that privilege uh, you know a, a constitutional right to express ourselves by vote and And so we can vote for candidates that we think will help turn in that direction more so. I mean, political candidates take positions on moral questions, questions like same-sex marriage, questions like uh, abortion. Uh, And so we can vote. We We can use our vote to try and get people in positions of authority that will move us in the right direction in regards to those kind of moral questions. There's other things we can do. Uh, it's been a few years ago now, uh, not, not too terribly long ago, but uh, there was a constitutional amendment up for consideration in Tennessee that would allow the legislature to make some laws regulating abortion. The effect of it would be to reduce the number of abortions. It wouldn't it wouldn't completely eliminate them, but it, would, it it had the potential to seriously reduce the number of abortions taking place in Tennessee. A number of us got on board promoting that cause. Well, that's something we can do. We pray. I pray that this horrible sin of abortion would end in America. Now, that's a good prayer. That's a worthy prayer. Yeah. But if I have a chance to take some action in regards to that, then I can do that. Too. Just This goes right in hand with everything else that we've been talking about in our study tonight.
1: All right. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, it, but it is a, this is another challenging uh, topic and some ones that uh, maybe we, we struggle with about how, how should we regard civil government as far as how, what should our part in trying to influence these matters. And here's what Dwight says. Yes, God does have a part. God established authority, Paul states in Romans 13, 1 and 2, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who re- will re- resist will bring judgment on themselves. He also says in 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, 3, Therefore I exhort first that all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. So pray for those who are in authority that they'll make sound decisions.
0: So yeah. pray for it. Uh, do, um, Kent in Georgia says, yes, while indeed we must pray about crucial issues that face our nation, we must also make proper use of civil law for our own good and for the good of the nation as a whole. He references Acts 25, 9 through 12. uh, And I I believe that Acts 25, 9 through 12 was where Paul was calling upon his rights as a Roman citizen. He was exercising his rights as a Roman citizen. As Christians today in the United States, not only do we have the right to appeal to civil law, we also have the constitutional right to vote. Because of of such a privilege, we need to take the opportunity to vote for those who will best uphold the moral standards of the scriptures and the constitutional principles of the U.S., just like Just like the social gospel is destructive to the New Testament church, socialism is destructive to our nation. We need to give serious consideration to the fact that while some in elective office are not moral individuals, when they respect the values of our Constitution, at least they are willing to protect our civil liberties in granting us the right to uphold moral principles and our religious liberties to practice New Testament truth as revealed in Scripture. So I think Kent's making an interesting point there. I I doubt. If if we could go through the roll call of those who are in Washington D.C., there's probably uh, there's not there's not a probably not a significant percentage of them are great moral individuals. I'm, I don't doubt that there are some, but we know we know for a fact that there's a lot of immoral characters in politics. But he says, at, if we at least vote for those, maybe they're not personally moral individuals, but they they have a they have. A stance that defends our constitutional rights—at least that lets us exercise our religion, uh, which is a good thing in our country and our community. All right, uh,
1: Daniel says. Dan, uh, Daniel references Daniel four thirty-two. God rules; he does as he pleases. He also adds, perhaps God can use us from time to time to accomplish good. I think he means to reference Esther four verse fifteen or verse fourteen there. Perhaps probably your favorite verse from Esther and the most well-known verse that uh, that who knows whether or not you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Exactly right. Uh, so who knows if you're the one that God will use to make a difference. Yeah. All right. And then Mohan's up in Illinois. He says, it is true we have to trust God in regards to civil government. However, just like anything else, we also need to exercise our responsibilities. For example, in the 1960s, brave people stood up against people who went against the Constitution by discriminating against certain people. People did set-ins, refused to move to the back of the bus because of their skin color, et cetera. I think these were appropriate. I think we are where we are today because God used these things to remind people everyone was equal, has equal freedom. I am glad the problems of the '60s do not occur today because if it did, I would have some strong things to say against those actions.
0: Okay. All right. Good.
1: Thank you. Thank All you right.
0: All right. So uh, I think we I think we nailed that down pretty tightly, Jacob. Uh, that. We trust God, but we do what we can also in regards to the very things that we trust Him and pray to Him about. There's still actions for us to take, and it's no indication of a lack of faith or a lack of trust.
1: Okay, all right. Can Kyle and I wear a mask on Sunday? You okay with that? Uh, yeah. Now, well,
0: actually, the truth be known, if our audience knew you guys, the two of you guys have been wearing masks already.
1: But if you don't wear a mask, people will be able to see you smirking at us for wearing a mask. <laughs> Kyle, we I don't know.
0: Actually, well, when you guys have been helping to distribute the Lord's Supper, we've been doing it with masks and gloves just to make everybody feel comfortable. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. Yep. <clears throat>
3: Kyle, final thoughts? Uh, it was a good study. I think it's, uh, it's obvious we're being questioned about how our faith in God, our trust in God. So this is a good lesson to set that straight so that was
1: good thanks for being here and helping us get it it out tonight thanks for your time tonight dad good discussion thanks jacob glad that you joined us and hope that you uh, you benefit from our study and discussion of god's word and hope that you're making plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the virtual bible study in the meantime we encourage you to put god first in your life study his inspired word in the bible and live by it every day you'll never regret it